Hey there, everybody. Welcome. Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast. It is episode number 88. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? What's up? Number 88. That's a uh, big uh, football receiver number. There you go, right? The draft just uh, finished this week. We're in football receiver number area, which is good. Yeah, well, I was thinking Eric Lindros because I'm a hockey guy. That was uh, my first thought. Wasn't Walker? Wesley Walker? Wasn't he 88? Altoon was. Altoon. That's what it was. Right? Like Hilliard, I think, on the Giants. Yeah. Jeez. 88's a big receiver number. It's a good number. Yes, indeed. So thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Please check us out at com, On the socials, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast. We are on Pinterest as the Highfalutins. And also, we're on SoundCloud, and you can see old episodes because I haven't put anything else up there. It's throwback. Every time I keep talking about updating it, I never do. But you can check us out at soundcloud.com slash podcast as well. SoundCloud throwback. I like it. And if you could, please, on your favorite podcasting app, go on, rate us, give us five stars if you could. If you need instructions how to do so because it's a little bit complicated on iTunes, you can go to skibumpodcast.com. There's a blog post. It's easy to find. And you can figure out how to do it. We would really appreciate it. And also, we've also added a new email uh, subscribe functionality to our website. And if you guys could, we'd really appreciate it. Subscribe to our mailing list. We'll send out some cool stuff. We're not going to spam you. We're not going to sell you sell to advertising. We just want to create a, uh, a cool email list of cool people who want some awesome skiing information. And uh, you th- I think you'll really appreciate it. And you can always unsubscribe too if we suck. So please go to the website and subscribe. We would love that. And with that being said, it is time for a little Opry Today. Ooh, yes. And we need some Opry Today. It's been a long week. Now, for Opry Today, we, uh, we, we're going with a, uh, with a friend of ours. Farm to Table. We're farm, keeping it local. Farm to Table. Uh, one of our buddies that we did interview for one of our podcasts, circa the 30s, 30s or 40s? No, that was way before that. That was probably like 20. Wow. So this is when we were in our literally our infancy of, yes. the, of the podcast. Pre-pubescent episode. We interviewed uh, Eric Ruta, who is uh, the founder of uh, Magnify Brewing Company. And today, uh, for Apre, I am enjoying a wonderful special edition uh, that they did a can release last week, uh, and I hit up over there. Um, it was very, very interesting to go to, to this uh, fledgling brewery at one time and seeing how <laughs> people are rushing to get their, uh, their, their cans that they release. People are good. waiting in line now for them, right? I like it. I like it. So I have, uh, I'm drinking the Headaches Double IPA. Uh, 8.2%, and this is, uh, it's a very light IPA, doesn't taste anything like there's more than like a normal IPA ABV, but uh, it is a pretty boozy one, and uh, very tasty. Talking to Eric, he said uh, this is one of the, he's very proud of this one, which uh, I I think he should be. It it Hmm. has a really good flavor, uh, not too hoppy, uh, but not too heavy, and for a a double IPA, it's pretty pretty light tasting. How about you, Brian? Very nice. So I am having their other release from last week, which is the contractual obligation. If you check out our Instagram, we have pictures of it, both from the top and the side view. <laughs> this one is a also a double IPA, but it's made with citra and mosaic hops. 
as well as having grapefruit and mangoes added. That mango's unique, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, if you're into, again, this is another double, double IPA, so it's 8.5% ABV. Um, it's, it's, it's a little hoppier, I think, than the Headache, but it's got a really nice citrusy flavor. Doesn't feel too, too heavy. It's unfiltered. And it's if you're an IPA fan, you can't go wrong. It's it's really tasty, very citrusy, uh, very hoppy as well too. So if you're into hops, not a bad choice. So this reminds me a little bit of the pineapple sculpin. Yeah, it's almost like a like a higher end, yeah, pineapple sculpin. Like it has that that flavor where it's the the fruits in there, but it's not overpowering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that fruit combination, the uh, the grapefruit and, and mango. It's nice. Very nice. It's like a tropical IPA. It, yeah, it's kind of like you're sitting on the beach having a little nice tropical IPA. Yeah. So. so awesome job, Magnify. You guys are making killer beers in North Jersey these days. I got to keep looking out for the uh, the can releases because they're doing them, I think it's every two weeks. I'm not sure. But uh, they'll put out you know when they're doing it. And I tried getting some ahead of the release because I stopped in there. And uh, I saw that, you know, I saw that on Instagram that they were going to have the can release. And I was like, oh, let me go down. They did have them on tap. So I got to have them on tap, which is a treat. Um, and then I was trying to talk Eric into, you know, hey, man, can you give me like one or two? Because Brian and I are going to do the you show. You know who we are? Come on. And he's like, no. He's like, I can't, man. He's like, people would kill me if I if I started doing that. And I'm like, dude, I love the fact that he's, he's honest like that. So it was kind of cool that he, he was... Stick to the rules, it. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, if he's going to make exceptions for us, he's going to have to make exceptions for other people, other podcasts. Although I was like, just make an exception for us. We're the we're the we're the podcast guys. We're ski bum podcast. It's true, yeah. But that's all right. It's all good. But yeah, they're putting out awesome beers. And one of those things is, you know, if you don't get it that first weekend, you're probably not going to get it because they only make they only do so many cases. And they blow them out pretty quick. Well, they were doing by the fours, and I think I saw his list because he had a he had a piece of paper with the count on it, mm-hmm. and he was trying to make sure, like you know, he has enough for everybody. So he's like, "Yeah, I can give you two fours, whatever." And uh, yeah, it wasn't like he had a huge abundance. It wasn't like people were walking out with cases. It was you're you're lucky to get like a, four, a few a few fours. Yeah, it's going to be like Heady Topper now. Yeah. This is Jersey's Heady Topper. The Jersey Heady. And actually, uh, what did I say? On Beer Advocate, they gave the Headaches an 88 score, which is very good. Mm-hmm. And they gave the contractual obligation a 91. That's pretty damn good. Pretty yeah, high, man. I mean, mm-hmm. for both of those, that's good. Yeah. But a 91. Wow. So nice work. Magnify. Yeah. You guys are doing a great job over there. So we got a couple of booze stories related to the, uh, the App Right Today segment. So we want to kick off with the first one? Oh, okay. Uh, so I like my gin. Uh, I love Bombay Sapphire. And they actually, uh, Bombay Sapphire did a recall across Canada for, get this, containing too much alcohol. <laughs> so the Liquor Control Board of Ontario uh, was the first to issue a recall after its internal quality assurance team which I would love to be on that quality Sounds assurance. Sounds like a great team. job, right? Exactly. That's a dream job. I really like a couple of cases of uh, gin opening a bottle and taking a swig. Yeah, this one's good. Yep, that, that one's good. <laughs> Just keep trying it all day. Uh, so they discovered that some bottles of Bombay Sapphire, which if you don't know what Bombay Sapphire is, if you have a martini, that's usually, that's my favorite in a martini. It's a nice high-end dry gin. Yeah. What's rare. the opposite of dry? Is it slow? Slogan. S L O E, right? Yeah. 
I What's the what, difference? Do you know? I don't really know what the difference is. Yeah. Um, I know when you, when you make a dry martini, you don't put as much vermouth. Or sometimes you put a spray or you rinse the glass with the vermouth. Mm-hmm. There's not as much vermouth. It's not as sweet or not as, you know, it's just all gin. Basically, it's it's just a cup Cold of gin. Cold gin, yeah. It's a cup of gin with a few olives in it. Yeah. So <laughs> you have like two of those and you're, pre- you're fine pretty good. Or onions, right? Or onions. That's a, that a Gibson. That's a Gibson. Yeah. And I tell you what, it makes a difference. Like I had a Gibson at, at a place in the city, mm-hmm. uh, Dear Irving. Great bar. If, if you're in the city, it's near Gramercy Park. And it is just a cocktail place. You go there and you got to make reservations. Like it's, it's that. Huh. It's like it's not a lot of food. It's just people go there and have cocktails. But I had a uh, Gibson there and I was like, good stuff <laughs> it was just had that that olive had a good i mean the uh, onion had a good flavor to it um but anyway so i guess they're saying uh the gin had not been properly di- diluted resulting in an alcohol content of 77 percent which is the normal is about 40 percent jesus which is what's, <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty big um so uh Bacardi actually owns Bombay Sapphire, which I didn't realize that. They also own Grey Goose and Dewar's Whiskey. So they said that um, there are about 1,000 cases of the 1.14 liter Bombay Sapphire bottles that were impacted. So they're saying uh, inadvertently uh, inadvertently some of these bottles entered the line during a short period uh, when they were switching from one bottling tank to another. So I guess during the whole process, like, it has... A lot of alcohol, and this is what most uh, hard liquors, they have a lot of alcohol, and then they add stuff back in to bring it back to like a 40%-ish or whatever the the content they're looking for. So something like a water and something non-alcoholic to level it out, right? Yeah, usually yeah. something with some flavor that they want in there, mm-hmm. and they just kind of smooth it out. Um, but it's pretty wild, man. It's like almost double. Oh, man. That's awesome. So they said anyone um, who bought a bottle is urged to go back to the place they got it, and they will give you a refund. <laughs> You're probably, people are probably like, screw that. You got the high-octane stuff. Bacardi said, we do not recommend consumption of this product. <laughs> it's not, not going to kill you, but it's going to get you crunk. It'll get you pretty close. It'll get you drunk. I love how in this article it says that um, it mentions the places, like the only places that were, uh, where is it? said, okay, all bottles were bound for the Canadian market, and they were only sold in Ontario, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland and Labrador, New Brunswick, Manitoba, Alberta, Quebec, and Saskatchewan. Wow. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Pretty much all the provinces except British Columbia. Wow. I wonder if we could drive up there and get some of those. I want the 70%. That could be a new marketing thing. You get the Bombay Sapphire, 70%. They might even come up with that, like their new product line you know how a lot of the the bourbons do like a cask strength yeah maybe they'll have like a a bombay cask strength gin or whatever they age it in bathtub bathtub uh strength do the gin. 77 percent be like 77 spirit of 77 i don't know yeah isn't there a there's a company called bathtub gin isn't there i think so that's so funny I that's guess that they, was kind of like a derogatory term for making it at home, right? No, they used to actually make it in the bathtub back in the Prohibition, I believe. Oh, was it? People used to make their own, yeah. and that's uh, it. Got kind of got a little bit out of hand, but they were just. But it's d- kind of like a like a term for a shady gin, right? Yeah. Like bathtub gin. Yeah, yeah. It's 
kind of kind of that's how it is. I mean, it's just if you think about it, it's like the recipe is you just throw a bunch of uh, herbs in there in vodka, right? To infuse it, it's like a vodka thing, whatever you know, grain alcohol, mm-hmm. and then it, it gets the properties of it. It's pretty wild. But every every gin With a little has bit its of like own. toe jam and you know, yeah. <laughs> like the uh, drainage. Exactly, it cleans everything out. You know, the alcohol kills all the germs, so it just adds to the flavor. Yummy. <laughs> A little bit of uh, scrubbing bubbles, but that's why when you taste different gins, like uh, I'm a, I would say I'm a gin connoisseur. Like I, Ooh. I've had a lot of gins, and I there's definitely, I'll pick out specific gins for like certain types of drinks, um, and everybody has their own recipe. So you try huh. different gins, and it's like you'll if you try them side by side, you're like wow, they're very different. So, so if you were if you were giving a newbie. A recommendation for a, for a gin. If you're going for a, like a gin martini, what would you recommend? Gin martini, I always say Bombay Sapphire. Uh, okay. If you want something that's a little bit on the cooler side, go with the Hendrix because they usually do that with the cucumber. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's healthy? So it's healthy. Uh, that's a different type of martini. It's more of a, a modern one. Uh, if you want like a gin and tonic, I'd say Tangeray is good. Um, there's a lot of good... Uh, gins just for uh for like a gin and tonic i like beef eater it's one of my favorites too yeah very mild so it's good to try them all why not it's summertime so you know it's starting to get to that time where uh, gin and tonics are uh are in season yeah gin and tonic good summer drink that's right we have one other booze story for apparate today i found this on uncrate <laughs> and this is from a company called Brewmeister, they came out with a beer back in 2013 called Snake Venom Beer, and it officially became the strongest beer in the world. It is pretty wild. The beer, after it's fermented, they add ethanol to it to get it up to a strength 67.5% alcohol by volume. Damn. So it's almost as strong as that ridiculous gin that was pulled off the market we just talked about. Except they did this on purpose, right? They did this on purpose, and the the bottles actually have a warning on them, which recommends that you do not consume more than a couple of ounces per sitting. Wow. It, it was unavailable since 2013, but now they've come out with it again, and you can pick up a four-pack online. Uh, I think it's out of England, so you know if you're in England, you can grab it. Otherwise, you can get it online. It's about 80 bucks for a four-pack, but probably something fun to have around if you want to get a little weird and get creative and try to see Jesus. So check wow. it out. Brewmeister so, Snake Venom. So I just looked up ethanol and they have the uses. <laughs> so there's a medical use. It's in, used as an antiseptic. So they said uh, common antibacter- antibacterial hand sanitizers have it. Okay. Um, medical solvent. So they use it because, I guess, it's not going to harm you, but they use it to, like, sterilize and wash stuff. Uh, recreational as an alcoholic drink. So it's a central nervous system depressant. So uh, most commonly consumed, it's one of the most commonly consumed psychoactive drugs. Really? That's what it says. I don't know. No kidding. Um, That's pretty wild. That's kind of awesome. So when they measure your blood alcohol content, they actually are measuring the ethanol, amount of ethanol in your body. So you're just doing... Oh, really? Yeah, I guess that's uh, how they do the... uh, Weight of ethanol per unit volume of blood. And that's what uh, blood alcohol content is. Huh, interesting. So you're getting like a direct uh, pipeline in there. 
And then there's ethanol fuel. So it's a fuel fuel additive that uh, they add, and it, that this is the part that cleans your your gas tank. I think. Yeah. It keeps everything clean and running. I think uh, it's usually like fifteen percent they use. The E fifteen they call it. Yeah, I think uh, or eighty five uh, something like that. Well, I think when they get gas, isn't it at the same? Um, it's at the same ethanol content, and then they add extra for the um, the medium grade and the the premium grade. Yeah. So I think they add it. So it's pretty wild. They they just pump out gas into all the tanks, and then they add it to bring that um, that level up. It's pretty wild. That is pretty wild. Yeah. So you're drinking uh like rock and rocket fuel. It's used as, as a bio repellent rocket. So it's uh, liquid propelled vehicles. So uh, along with liquid oxygen, uh, they've used it. The German V two rocket in World War Two, mm. credited with uh, beginning the space age and uh, yeah, pretty wild stuff. So you're technically drinking rocket fuel with this product. Nice, I like it. Good stuff. Snake venom. And they, I guess you could buy it from drink supermarket here. Yeah. 80 bucks? Not cheap. Holy shit. Yeah, not cheap at all. Is that a case or like a... That's it's a four-pack. God damn. Yeah. Wow, and I thought Hedy Topper was expensive. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Freaking steel. Crazy. All right, next up. We're getting in the gondola. Oh, yeah. Gondola's going up. Gondola's going up. <laughs> Did you... Uh, you got your goggles on? Got your, got your poles? Got your snorkel? Got your snorkel. With your uh, bong gas mask. Oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. So this week, we got Frank's Bean of the Week. Frank. Frank, so Frank thank you so much again. And this week, we're going back. We're keeping it We're keeping it classy. We're going back to one of the, uh, one of the big CBD strain movements that happened quite recently. That's been in the news a lot. And it's the uh, Charlotte's Web. It's the founding father of the... Movement, right? Just about. Pretty much, yeah. This was one of the, the first ones that came into... It really got popular for marijuana or cannabis being taken seriously as a medicine. So what happened was um, it gained notoriety after improving the quality of life of Charlotte Figi, a young girl who was diagnosed with a rare form of epilepsy. So she actually moved to Colorado so that she could get this... Um, you know, the Charlotte's Web strain and, and help her. And she's living a a much happier life, much more, you know, enjoyable for her and her family. And it was created by the Stanley Brothers, and they now have, you know, trademarked this name, Charlotte's Web, and they have a, a whole, you know, array of different products. Like, I think we've we've had those little, I don't know if they're like vape pens almost. Yeah, they sell. the disposable vape pens we got. Yeah, you can get them, and they're sold everywhere. Um, I think almost all 50 states or almost all because they only contain 0.3% THC on a dry weight basis. So there's no psychoactive. Yeah, I think uh, they fought and they changed the law like in most of those states like in the last like two or three years to allow it. So, And this is kind of like where you can get the oil, you can get the vape pens, like all that stuff. Yeah, the genetics are licensed as industrial hemp, so it doesn't have that um, the psychoactive effects that, that cannabis and marijuana uh, have tied to them. They actually did, uh, so I did find it. So Vice News did a um, Charlotte's Web Medical Hemp Act of 2014. But they did a, uh, 
they did a show on it, and I believe it was the Vice show that I saw. It was pretty cool. They actually went through the whole story, and they actually um, were following some uh, more litigation that was going on. And I, I forgot what state it was. I think it might have been Virginia or something, where they were like, you know, these people are trying to get help for their kids, and they were actually moving because to states that legalized just so that they can make sure they, their kids got this stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you're a parent of a kid who, you know, is going through, you know, epilepsy and... Seizures, man. And the really fact that seizures. some of these politicians have the gall to say that there's no medical benefits when, you know, more and more studies are coming out and stories like this are out there showing that it can make a huge difference in these child's and these families' lives you are a vile, evil piece of shit. And we can think of plenty of them, especially our attorney general and the governor of New Jersey, who think this way, who base their, their opinions on the pharmaceutical industry just shoving money in their pockets. Um, but this is, this is a product that has helped numerous families, numerous children, and has no psychoactive effects, contains naturally occurring antioxidants, neuroprotectants, and essential fatty acids. It's it's almost a magical product, really, if you think about what it does and how it can help people. And uh, it's great that there's starting to be more exposure to it all over the country, all over the world, really. And more yeah. stories are coming out. More information is coming out. More studies are being done. And it's becoming more available. And that's that's only good for people, all people, all humans, all, humans. all creatures. I mean, this is good stuff, though. So you can have this... Um as like a daily regimen. It's like a vitamin almost. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people, uh, I've seen a lot of intake with this is the oil. So you just put a few drops or whatever and you take it either under the tongue or you put it in stuff. And mm-hmm. um, they sell it all over. I mean, there's there's tons of different ways to take it. But Yeah. One thing they do say is that to get the real you know, Charlotte's Web strain, it's not available in flower, clone, or seed form. Uh, or in any other form not available at CW Hemp or via the Stanley Brothers branded MMJ products. Huh. So. Wow. Beware of imposters. Ah, that's it. It's one of those where people label it, right? Yep. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. So in the gondola, we got a lot of other stories coming up. We seem to have a big gondola. Um, <laughs> so fed- there's a federal agency that admitted uh, that marijuana could curb opioid addiction. Now, uh, National Institute... Hey, but Chris Christie and Jeff Sessions said that's baloney. (laughs) So this is the National Institute of Drug Abuse, now states on its website that three recent studies, two of which uh, it itself funded, say that medical marijuana products may have a role in reducing the use of opioids uh, needed to control pain. Now, this is a big uh, source of contention. Uh, I know from the people that are trying to uh, say that, you know, medical marijuana shouldn't be legalized and all that stuff. Uh, you know, part of part of the reason um, a lot of people want to legalize it or at least allow research on it is because as a, you know, uh, what is it, Schedule 1 drug, mm-hmm. um, they couldn't do research on it for a long time. So you have products like, you know, uh, Charlotte's Web came about where they weren't able to do, like, uh, lab research on it, but they were doing you know, personal research and saying this is was helping. So it was kind of like a trial and error that they realize now, holy crap, this really helps, helps you know, uh, people with seizures. Mm-hmm. Whereas now they're actually doing uh, more like uh, lab studies and lab research to show that 
this actually can control pain almost better than opioids, and there's no addiction. No addiction, no overdose. No one has side ever effects. died of a cannabis overdose, ever. And the side effects are, are very minimal. So, yeah. and part of the part and of the big, not, and there's not, it's not a gateway drug, right? And part of the big <laughs> push of this is, you know, if you have a chronic condition or you're going through like cancer uh, treatments and stuff like that, there's a lot of like pain management that goes with that. And you know, if you're fighting cancer to get addicted to an opioid, on top of that, it's just it's horrible. Like mm-hmm. you're just like it, it's one thing after another. So that's why there's a lot of research in this and, and a lot of uh, a lot of people looking into this with hope. But yeah, I, it just boggles my mind. I mean, again, you don't, you could always try the old follow the money to figure out why people act the way they do. But the, the fact that so many people have come out and said that this has helped them with the pain they've been in, you know, and this, this ranges from children to veterans to, you know, cancer, you know, cancer patients, AIDS patients, that anyone could say that, oh, we, we shouldn't do, we shouldn't change the classification on this we shouldn't do more research we shouldn't keep studying this it just seems insane to me yeah it just seems like you have to have another agenda you have to be funded by something you have to have you know there has to be a reason why you'd be against this well i think i think we all need to push the government to do something about making it federally legal Mm -hmm. and if if you agree that the state should have uh, jurisdiction over it, then let the states decide. But the, for the federal government to say it's illegal with, with the states being able to say it's legal, mm-hmm. it's a total contradiction. So who's running what? You know what I mean? Like we, I think we need a clear, clear decision from the federal government to say at least it's legal federally because mm-hmm. uh, that affects funding, that affects research, it affects banking uh, for the industry itself. So it's kind of it's a big deal. Yeah, and the banking's been a big concern too because you know you're running as a, a cash business now. Yes. Yeah. Eventually so I think sticky. they'll cave because they're looking at the tax implications of it and if they have a cash business, theoretically, there's there's a lot of there's the potential for stuff not fraud. to be reported. Mm-hmm. So I think eventually they'll catch up and say, Look, it's too big of a business to not be heavily federal regulated. So but and everyone's looking for the next cash cow. You know, every, you know, governments, they're, they're a giant leech on the society, and they're going to need to pull money in any way they can. Yeah. And if there's a new possibility for pulling in billions of dollars a year, they're going to have to open their eyes to that. It's billions, man. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Colorado on their own, they, they've had a billion dollars in sales, right? Yeah. Last year. And then we're now California legalizing it. California is a huge, huge... Um, um, it's going to pull a huge amount of money. I mean, it's the, but the sixth largest economy in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, the amount they're going to pull in there is going to be, be mind boggling. People are going to lose their mind when they see how much money and tax revenue they're going to pull in in California. And it's going to support the industry. Yeah. Um, so Scientific American, uh, they actually, their May, June issue, they have a special report, pain, new, uh, new ways to find relief without opioids. So they have a few articles in here and some of them are talking about uh, how people are using marijuana, uh, cannabis, for the treatment rather than opioids. And they're actually saying because of that, the pharmaceutical industry is a little scared now. So they're actually trying to do research to find opioids that aren't as addictive. And when I read that, I was like, why weren't they doing that all along? Yeah, right. right. You have this highly addictive substance that, that a lot of people are getting put on. There is this whole... Um, I think it, it, it peaked like a few years ago when everybody was, all these doctors were writing these crazy amount of prescriptions 
uh, for opioids. And then they had a, you know, they cracked down on all these doctors and everything. So now the industry is looking at, well, you know, how, obviously they're the ones that are trying to lobby to keep medical marijuana from being legalized. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's interesting to see that now they're like, well, yeah, we can make an opioid. That's, that's not as bad for you. Like, why, why didn't you do that before? Why weren't you working on that before? You know, it's such a double-edged sword, the (laughs) pharmaceutical industry, because, you know, you hear about, you hear stories like that, and you're like, oh, what a bunch of greedy assholes, you know? And then you hear about, oh, we had this breakthrough, and now, you know, your your family member has cancer, but they have a way to, you know, to to treat it where they're not going to, you know, where they're going to live, you know? So it's such a, it's so easy to get pissed off at the pharmaceutical industry, and then you think about how amazing a lot of the stuff they've done is. You know, but but this particular area is just pure greed on their part. Well, even just for everybody, pharmaceutical industry, the people, like I just think like allowing medical marijuana uh, to be legalized and at least researched mm-hmm. will open up more doors for the potential to treat stuff. Yeah. You know, why would you not research something for treatment? And you know these pharmaceutical companies are going to start buying up these small, you know, cannabis companies. So yeah. they're still going to make their money on it long term. So they're they're going to make out. They're going to be fine. So it'll be very interesting. It's, it's it's been very interesting to see the way, you know, we talked about it last week. The way people, the public perception, people are getting so much more comfortable. Um, what's it like? Over sixty percent of people now are in favor of legalizing. Yeah, we still have these weird, old, creepy gargoyles in government that are fighting it. Canada legalized. Canada has legalized it. All yeah. of Canada. Canada, yep. Think about that. Whole country. They right get, to the north of us. They get double alcohol gin and weed now. <laughs> weed. Damn. And now, because of global warming, they're becoming the new America. Boom. That's Think it. Think about it, right? They got they got the nice four seasons now. Yeah. Montreal's the new New York. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. You know? Montreal's a nice little Everything kind of shifts up, like 30 degrees. So what does that make us? That makes us, what, the new... We're like Georgia. Charlotte or Atlanta? Yeah. Hotlanta? Hotlanta. What's Atlanta then? The new Miami? Mexico City. Mexico City. <laughs> Actually, Miami's probably Mexico City. Or is that what we just talked about? Or we say Atlanta? No, Miami. And then... Me- Atlanta's like Acapulco. And then Miami would be... Cancun. No, no. What's, what's south of them? Uh, Cuba. <laughs> Cuba. And Cuba is South America. <laughs> Cuba's like El Salvador. Yeah, it's, it's moving up. Yeah. It's Costa Rica. Costa Rica. <laughs> right? Yeah. You give them that. Boom. Nice. So another cannabis news, the good folks in Vermont, at least the good folks in their House of Representatives, they have passed a bipartisan measure which would eliminate penalties for personal marijuana possession and cultivation by adults 21 and older. I'm glad they specified 20. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. 16 so they, and up, is that? So they passed uh, 74 to 68 this past week. That would make personal possession and cultivation of small amounts of marijuana legal for adults 21 and older. Boom. And it is going to move to the Senate now, um, which they believe it should pass. They tried doing this last year, but their bill, I guess the way things were worded, it was too commercial for Vermont, man, because they want to keep things pretty mm-hmm. pretty crunchy, pretty local, pretty uh, pretty organic. So they uh, they changed the wording, and this year... They uh, they were able to, to pass it in the house, so they're well on their way, and they're looking like they're the, one of the next places that will will legalize. In well, they're this saying year. the house version wouldn't take effect till January 2019, whereas the Senate amended bill would take effect on July 1st, 2017. Wow, that's like three months away, ah, two months away, two months away. Jeez, that's like 
boom, instant. It's We're legal trying right to now. get this done, man. Let's go. Well, they wouldn't really have to put much in place because they're just making it legal for you to grow or possess it. It's not like you're distribution. Much pulling out bills. Like, all you're pulling out laws yeah. that you just don't follow anymore. But it's not like setting up dispensaries and setting up laws around. It's just, mm. it's just not busting you for doing stuff. Yeah. You know? It says most Vermonters support this bill in part because they know that marijuana is objectively less harmful than alcohol, and it's time to start treating it that way. Feel the burn. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't think Bernie has any part of this. I'm not well. He he set things in motion. I think definitely. All right, then we have a, a nice uh, product story. Uh, if you like beef jerky or <laughs> buffalo jerky, and which who doesn't? Which Brian and I usually eat jerky on the lift uh, while we're skiing. Or uh, well, if we had access to this one, we definitely would be eating it on the lift. So there is Todd Gardner's free range bison jerky infused with cannabis oil extracted from marijuana grown in the Roaring Fork Valley is the only edible marijuana product made in the Aspen area. I don't know. We're hearing a lot of Aspen. They're buying stuff up, and now they're making, they're allowing like buffalo jerky infused with marijuana. I love it. I love it. Heaven on earth, right? Heaven on earth. So the jerky sold to more than 100 marijuana dispensaries throughout the state. So is you it, want an edible? That's a good edible. But is it sold at any jerky dispensaries? Ah, I don't know. <laughs> it, sh- it, it should be. Your cannabis is in my jerky. Your jerky is in my cannabis. <laughs> right? It's the modern day uh, Reese's peanut butter cup. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> All right, now Delicious. we're still we're almost at the top of the lift. Almost time to get out of Gondola. We posted this on uh, all of our social media this week, but this was a pretty interesting story. Border Patrol finds sixty-seven pounds of pot hidden inside a casket. Damn. So instead of having a uh, a dead person inside this hearse, this gentleman uh, was arrested by the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol with 67 pounds of marijuana in a casket. And there uh, was also manure in there to cover up the smell. Wow. Yeah, this gentleman, unfortunately, I guess he got pulled over and had some inconsistencies in his stories that he told officials and then they brought the dogs in Bring and the dogs oh. came and sniffed it out and uh, they busted this guy so he was estimated having more than $33,000 worth of of pot so hmm. doesn't seem worth it for 33000 uh, yeah you know what I had an accounting professor in college and he said if you're gonna he's like don't even bother stealing if it's less than $20 million I like that idea Go big or go home. Think about it. The guy had a hearse. The hearse has got to be worth, what, 20 grand? So you could have just sold your hearse instead of getting busted. Yeah, it's not good. I don't know. So basically what the moral of the story is, is if you can keep your story together, you know, and have like, you know, have like a complete story, have every all your, everything buttoned up, T's crossed, I's dotted, you should be okay. Not everybody can be smooth to smuggle international drugs across borders. Just saying. K-I-T. Jeez. Allegedly. Allegedly. Excuse me. What's a, who's what's the dead this? person? I got a bunch of weed in there. <laughs> yeah, no, right. <laughs> that's not the, that. Be cool, man. Just be cool. So, is it is it is there a potential market for having a fake corpse that you can like open up, almost like you know, like King Tut's tomb? Why like, do you have to have a fake corpse? You got to bomb it. Real corpse. Just jam it weed, full of weed in. Face off. Weed in. Well, the thing is, you need to almost <laughs> reinforce the like. It, you sew everything up and you just 
make like a person it in there? filled with like a Thanksgiving turkey. It's like <laughs> stuffing it with stuffing. Yeah, it's a weed stuffing. I think it almost would be better if you can get like think about like a real doll. Oh, you do real doll and have it like cut in half, <laughs> <laughs> so you can like open it from the side. So, so you're looking at it like so. It's laying somebody's on gonna back. be banging this real doll filled with weed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you get high as fuck. You could use the private regions to have more of like a liquid weed product, and then fill the legs with the actual flowers. So think about like arts. Right, so think about uh, if you're looking at a, a person or a fake person laying on their back, and you'd have it kind of cut like filleted and lifting open sideways. Why not just stuff it through the privates? <sighs> Why does it gotta be like that? I'm trying to understand. <laughs> Why are you cutting this whole thing up? Because I'm, you already have a hole made. You just no, make no, no. the hole bigger. You, that's not going to be efficient enough because there's too many curves and corners that you want to get around. But so, then when they look at it, they're like, "Oh no, it's a it's a it's a person, not yeah. not a person that was cut in half, filleted." Well, if you, but you're going to put your clothes back on it though. You're not going to put it in the coffin naked. How's it going to stay together? Because now you, you hot glue a, gun. Because now you created a sandwich. Hot glue gun. <laughs> hot glue gun. <laughs> well, that's the thing. But the inside is going to have to be reinforced like an epoxy or something. To firm it up. See, that's a lot more work than just drilling it and just <laughs> stuffing it in there. Yeah, but you're going to have more efficient packing if you have it cut open. Just cut you the can side. fill everything. Just cut the side then. Just one, one little like side. Like a stuffed stuff pork it. chop. You got to pocket it. You got to put the pocket in there. Like somewhere. a stuffed pork chop. Stuffed pork chop. That's yeah. right. I'm still thinking you got to flay the whole thing. <laughs> I think you could maximize your stuffage at that point. What are you going to flay with? A chainsaw? <laughs> I was thinking a Dremel. A Dremel. <laughs> could work. It could work. Why don't you just order a real doll with a zipper on the side so you can – so it would be like would, a real doll purse. Would the zipper let too much of the smell out? Uh, have a Ziploc. <laughs> or about that weed bag that you had? Yeah. You'd have the inside be one big weed bag and have like a Ziploc seal on the outside. So Ziploc and real doll would be working together. together. Now that is corporate synergy right there. And the weed company with the bags, the special bags. Yeah. So now you make a special bagged human human doll, (laughs) real doll. So nobody's hurt in this, which is good. Yeah. Nobody was harmed in this. No bodies were harmed. Yeah. Uh, It's just a real doll. If somebody wants to get jiggy, then it's still it's it's still all sealed up. Now this is corporate synergy. This I like. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to the board of directors on both these companies and see if we can sell this product. I think we're gonna have to patent this right away. We're gonna have to get a we're gonna have to get a patent pending when we go before this podcast goes out. To the masses. We're going to have to get this thing uh, patented. All right. I'm, I'm texting somebody now. We'll, we'll <laughs> get this. Our patent guy? <laughs> <laughs> we got a patent guy. He's working on it. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is awesome. I love it. Our patent guy's in China. He works all night. Yeah, seriously. It's good. It works. He's good like that. All right. So that wraps up the old gondola segment. So the old gondola. And now it's time for... What you play that harmonic? You know it's time for a little ski news. Some ski news. Yes. So you know what? It may be the first week in May, but California, man, can't stop, won't stop. California dreaming. They have there's a forecast this weekend. They're getting another six to twelve inches Damn. in California this weekend. Now, this is from our pals at Snowbrains. Today the forecast, seventy one degrees at the base of Squaw. But this weekend, it's gonna cool down and above seven thousand feet. Perhaps as low as 6,000 feet. They're looking at another 6 to 12 inches in the Sierras. Wow. Unbelievable. It just, it just has not stopped out there. Wow. 
I mean, you know, obviously remember how crazy January was. I think March was almost as crazy, and then it's just relentless. I like how Noah puts, those with travel and or outdoor plans will want to keep an eye on the forecast and consider alternate plans. I'm not leaving there. Like, I'm going to there. Seriously, That's right? the alternate. Like, you know, I guess if you're hiking. Get you the know. helicopter ready. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people I'm sure are starting to get into Fire hiking. Fire up the and- bird. <laughs> now, the birds are all in, uh, hanging out with Tommy Mo. Yeah, right. Up Alaska. Alaska. Yep. Damn. And then kind of in the same vein, Snowbird this week, they were announcing they got 11 inches in 24 hours and over four feet last week. Wow. Again, they're just in the right place this year, and it just was not stopping, except for the one week that we were out there. Yeah, <laughs> we were we were the anomaly week. Uh, we were the, hey, let's go uh, spring skiing in the middle of February week. Yeah, early in February, and that was kind of a bummer. But yeah, out there, they're still getting pounded, which is absolutely beautiful. I wonder if they're running any deals right now. I don't know. Let's see. Snowbird home. What do we got here? All right, so the snow is still falling out there, and if you're lucky enough to have some flexibility in your life schedule, get out there and, and grab some freshies. Freshy, fresh time. All right, so next we have uh, Ski, Lease. Ski Lease breathes new life into La Grave, or La Grave. I don't know how it's pronounced. Is this um, Merca? I'm going to say La Grave. La Grave. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, after spending, you know, facing an unknown future for the last three years, it appears that lift access skiing at Lagrave will be preserved for another thirty. Boom. That's awesome. Yeah, there's been a bunch of stories on Powder that talking about how they, you know, they weren't sure the future of what was going to happen. That's awesome. But yeah, this is good. So lift rises seven thousand vertical feet, provides access to some of the most renowned steep skiing terrain in the world. Uh, was built in '87 and soon became uh, among the elite uh, ski alp- alpinists as underground version of Chamonix. So, yeah. So the company that's taking over is a lift operations company known as Sata S A T A, and this is they said this is very good for the locals because they were originally eh, originally concerned that Campagne des Alpes would take over which is kind of like the European Vale resorts. You know, they're kind of a conglomerate. They have about, I think, 15 other resorts. And Lagrave has always been kind of a, like I said, you said the underground Chamonix. You know, it's kind of like the renegade place. And to have something, you know, the big corporate interest take it over would have been probably, you know, cheapened it a bit to the locals. So it looks like this was the perfect outcome for them to get. That's awesome. So these guys are Sata. They're the main lifter operator for Alpe d'Huez. So mm-hmm. that's a big, large ski area. Anybody that bikes watches the Tour de France, Alpe d'Huez is one of the most fantastic climbs, most well-known climbs for a biker. Oh, really? It is a grueling. <laughs> so I know people that have uh, have ridden this, and they're like, what you see on TV, like when the guys are climbing up, it's like nothing like being on it. Like you can barely stand like Poof. without falling. It's just crazy. Damn. But yeah, for skiing it's it's gotta be pretty pretty good too. Yeah. So that's awesome news for Lagrave. Lagrave. <laughs> so that was from Powder, and we have another article from Powder which was pretty interesting. And it was from the uh, the Jaded Local, which if you're a powder fan, you know all about, which is <laughs> one of the uh, the most popular and, and awesome and sometimes uncomfortable 
segments in the magazine. And the article is called, It's Time to Set Pro Skiers Free. And set it, us free. Set them free. And it was cool because, you know, he was talking to some of his friends who were, you know, professional skiers and in the industry. And some of these professionals now are trying to figure out how do I keep skiing and, you know, keep satisfying my sponsors and not dying. I mean, it's just if you, you know, you're, we're all fans of, you know, the ski movies and the magazines and everything is all about pushing to the next level. I mean, just that, that Tanner Hall movie last year. Yeah. You know, where they were, uh, they were stuck for like two weeks at the base because of all the snow. They couldn't get out. Just waiting. And then they just, once they got up there, it was just like avalanche after avalanche after avalanche. You know, and that's what it's nuts. That's what people are expecting now to see is people, you know, defying death and skiing down these ridiculous spines and, and surviving the avalanches. Crazy. Yeah. So they're trying to, you know, they're kind of, you know, posing the question of, you know, how can we just let them ski and do what they do and not not take it to the next level where it's, you know, people are dying in, in mass. I mean, it's, look it's at how many of, people died last year that we talked about in avalanches. Kind of pushing or promoting them to, to risk their life, which is, that's where it gets creepy. It is. It gets really creepy. And it, it really doesn't need to be that way. You know, it really doesn't. It's, it's a great article, and it really kind of points out what's important about skiing and do we really need all this stuff? Do we need these, you know, these people taking their, their lives into their own hands? It just it seems, you know, pretty unnecessary. Well, it's the armchair skier, you know. Mm-hmm. I sit at home and I watch these really cool, crazy videos, and it's entertainment for me, but you don't realize the impact it has on some of these some of these athletes, you know. Yeah. I mean, they have, like, almost some of them life-ending injuries, and it's just it's crazy. Yeah. And also, too, they, you know, they, they talk about, you know, all the the helicopters and the snowmobiles and, you know, all the the unnecessary, you know, carbon footprint. Like, is, is all what they're doing, is it necessary? Yeah. You know, do we need that? You know, we as the viewers or them as the professional skiers, you know, a lot of it seems, you know. So you're going to recycle that paper cup, but you're going to get into a, a, a helicopter, use God knows how much, how much gas flying all over the place to go ski yeah you know weird. exactly yeah so it's an interesting article it's worth checking out and we'll have uh you know the link to it in the, the show notes cool next up uh snowboarder jeremy jones testifies on capitol hill about climate change so um he's uh long been an environmental activist he's a big mountain snowboarder and he founded the climate change nonprofit protect our winners which if you ski or board You've probably subscribed to uh, uh, the email uh, that they send out or you know about them, you've heard about them. Um, so he actually testified that he's seen a lot of change in the Chamonix region where he's, uh, he's boarded a lot uh, just over the, the past few years. And uh, he's, um, you know, they actually came out and, and he actually cited that, you know, within the outdoor industry, Outdoor Industry Association released the annual report saying that Americans spend about um, $887 billion each year on outdoor recreation. That's a staggering number. That's crazy, yeah. Almost a trillion dollars. Um, hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's a big, you know, if, if you look at it, if you don't care about the environment, but you care about even the economy, it's just, 
a big issue we need to address. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's actually uh, asking people to contact, reach out to their congressmen and senators and and just, you know, get the word out and and let everybody know that we want to uh, protect the environment. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that right now our, our government seems to be taking a step back from the advancements we've made over the last, you know, five or 10 years moving towards more efficient vehicles and reducing carbon footprint. It's a little disconcerting that our president wants to be like build up and restore coal. Well, you know, it's kind of like it's playing one off the other. So they're saying they're doing it to to help the economy. Mm-hmm. But yet you're going to hurt another economy, which is doing about $887 billion each year. Yeah. So now you're going to hurt that economy in lieu of the other economy. And it's like, well, what's better for the environment, but also what's better financially? So you're kind of hitting something. You're, you're kind of going in the wrong direction for two reasons. When you could be spending money on cleaner, more efficient fuel sources. Right. Solar, wind, turbine, you know, all the other. Which know. would, in essence, help that $800 billion a year industry. Exactly, grow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Potentially, or at least stay viable. And make a new industry more efficient. Right. You know, because you're spending money in research and you're getting it to where you know, maybe now it's 20% efficient solar panels. Maybe we'll have 50% efficient in, in 10 years, you know, instead of going back to the old way of doing things. Elon Musk. That's right. And the last story we have this week is a sad one. The Swiss machine, Uli Steck, died, is the, the first death in the uh, Everest season this year. Damn. This is, yeah, this was a kind of a shocker. Uh, Uli Steck is known as the uh, the Swiss machine, and he's, you know, scaled mountains all over the world. But unfortunately, this past week, he died when he slipped from a slope and fell into a crevasse at around 6,600 meters Damn. Um, on Mount Nupzi, um on the way up to Everest. They said his body has been recovered and airlifted to Lukla, uh, where the nearest airport to Mount Everest is located. And he was getting acclimated uh, as he planned to ascend the 8,850-meter Mount Everest and Mount Lhotse next month. And hmm. unfortunately, had an accident and did not survive. Do you see that K2 movie yet? I did not, no. <laughs> you see it. It's pretty crazy. You know what? It's crazy that this guy, I mean, you know, he is probably one of the most accomplished climbers in the world. And... Even he didn't get up Everest. And then you have all these, you know, ridiculous billionaires who hire, you know, hordes of Sherpas to carry all their stuff up and somehow they make it up. Dude, I want to recognize the Sherpas, man. How many times have they gone up? And they, they're working. They're like, yeah, I do this all the time. It's like, yeah, this guy went up, got there once. That's great. It's like, I do it three times a, a season. I'm up there all the time. Yeah. I'm hanging out, putting posters it's up. old news for me. That's right. He tried to climb it back in 2013. But unfortunately, a fight broke out between the climbers and a group of Sherpa guides. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Was that when they were, when was it? 20... <clears throat> uh, 2013. Yeah, they were having a big problem. Uh, didn't they have, when was the avalanche there? The big... Uh, Nine, oh, that was 99. The earthquake. Oh, that was, that was like a year or two ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to think because there was a, um, there's been a few times where the Sherpas were actually asking for better wages, conditions, and stuff like that. So maybe that, that was, was probably around two time. or three years ago. Yeah. Well, so he, uh, so they also last year discovered frozen remains of uh, world-renowned climber Alex Lowe. 
who they were presumed dead in 1999 after an avalanche struck. So you can be like the best at this, and they you still could end up dead. Can't beat nature, man. Can't beat Mother Nature because I tell you. Yeah, I mean it. It has no compassion. Doesn't care who you are. Doesn't matter, you know, what you've done in the past. It will just take you if it wants you. Wow, I'm reading up on the altercation, the fight that they had at twenty three thousand feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just fucked up. Oh man! So they said expedition leaders had immediately agreed that no climbers would distract or disrupt the Sherpas as they fixed rope above Camp Two. The members of the team insulted and threatened them. That's what they said, and. <sighs> A Nepal army major stood witness to both sides and signed a peace agreement and agreed to move on. They actually signed an agreement. Wow. It's wild. That's it's really like crazy. shit that happens when you're like in the wilderness, man. Yeah, right. Like it's it's new law. It's a, it's a new world. Sign agreements. A Sherpa agreement. The Sherpa agreement of 2000 and It's like a yeah, like 13. the Versailles Treaty or something. <laughs> That's right. We had an agreement. Mm-hmm. You broke the treaty. I'm sorry. Never, never break Sherpa law. Break a deal, Hold face the wheel. Court. <laughs> break, it's Thunderdome, man. <laughs> Sherpa's going to be all over you. Sherpa's going to sherp. <laughs> Sherpa's going to sherp. All right, now it's time for our main topic. Yes, sir. So what are we talking about today, Brian? Well, it looks like we are declaring it almost ski season. We're going to call it? We're going to declare it? We're declaring it now, yes. So we've talked about it in the past. We only believe in two seasons, ski season and almost ski season. I like that. I and like unfortunately, that. We're, uh, we're declaring it right now. I think it's about time. There's enough, uh, enough resorts are closing tomorrow like the, or today. Is it the 5th? Tomorrow. Yeah. So Cinco de Mayo, they're all like, all right, it's Cinco de Drinco, time to close, close up. Yeah. Unless you're up in uh, Sierra, Sierra Nevadas, you're in Tahoe. You're in Snowbird. A lot of places are going to try to beat that. They're staying open. Yeah, and then they're saying out in California, a lot of places are going to be open 4th of July this year. You know what? For us right now, I, I, I don't have the, uh, the means or the, the ability right now to travel out west for anything. Um, again, I've got a lot of life events going on at this time, and uh, it's just unfortunately not a possibility this year. Which, again, is terrible because it's probably the best year to do it if you're going to go ski on Memorial Day or 4th of July because there is so many places out west that that do have. Killington's uh, scheduled to open, be open for a long time. They're open this weekend. Yeah, but Killington is Killington. You're not, you know, if you were, if you were really going to do it, if you're going to do it right, you'd be going <clears throat> out west where there's still just hundreds of inches of snow out there. Yeah, and you get to the point in time where if you don't call it, you could say, okay, there's still places to ski, but there's also ski places now. You're talking uh, you know, South America. You start going. Um, so it's kind of like the other season, but it's not It's not our ski season necessarily. It's kind of like the extra hours of ski season or whatever. But Yeah, we're pretty much just talking you know, North America, Yeah, North American ski season, mostly East Coast that we're, yeah. There's so much going on for the summer already. I mean – like, colleges are getting out, like, really soon, like, mm-hmm. in the next few weeks. Like, I got a coworker. His daughter's done on uh, Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, it's happening. And then you have another month, and all the, all those like, uh, schools will be out. Uh, if you're in Florida, end of this month, like, they'll be out of school. So it's like, you know, everybody's starting their summer, going to get ready to start the summer. So it's time because we got to make plans for the summer. 
But we were gonna are gonna give a shout out to our our uh, pal on Instagram, infamously Jones, who is saying that we got to hit up Tuckerman's this year because it's looking to be in pretty good shape. And you know what? I'm I'm embarrassed to say I've never been up there, but that's something that in the next year or two has to happen. Yeah. Um, I've got some. We've got a couple people that we know who have done it, and it does seem like it's a it's a pretty awesome adventure. This year, like I said, I have a a lot of life commitments that are going on that unfortunately will will prevent me from doing partaking in some shenanigans. They're prohibitive. They're not going to prevent you. <laughs> they're they're preventative. <laughs> they're they're definitely going to keep me from doing some things. Yeah, but that's that's totally fine. They're all they're all good things. So. And it's all setting up for a for a better future, so it's all good. Well, it's good. Like um, I, I get into like a different mode of training, and I notice like so I start biking a lot, and I start you know I got a big bike ride coming up, but I notice training for the biking now, like I was in good ski shape, but now I really wasn't in great bike shape. So now I started biking, and I'm like end of the biking season, I'm gonna start going skiing and be like. Wow, I got to get back into ski shape now. So it's yeah. like you can't do both. Like it's just kind of, you know. Yeah, I. Uh, so one of my summer non ski season activities that I play roller hockey, and I played it for the first time yesterday <laughs> after having not because we play outside, so you know we don't really play in the winter time. And I, uh, like, I just felt like so beat up this morning. Yeah, you know, I just. Do like, you realize like, you don't have your hockey legs on you? Well, you know, it's that and. So I got new skates a couple of years ago and, you know, I love having really tight, you know, footwear for, for sports. So, you know, we just got new ski boots and I, they're, they're so nice and tight. They're like, you know, vice grips almost. And I put on my hockey, hockey skates yesterday. And I was like, wow, these things feel like super loose. <laughs> they're tight, but they felt super loose compared to my ski boots. Yeah. And, uh, I have like, I don't know if it's my feet are weird or what, but I have these, I don't know if it's a bone or a callus or something on the outside of my ankle. And because I haven't been skating much with those, with my hockey skates, they're, uh, they're super sensitive now, but like by the end of the season, like they get just built up and hard, like all my shoes, like my sneakers, they all have like tears on the inside where that, wow. that callus bone just like rips into the back of the, uh, hmm. the material. So yeah, it just, it felt. Again, like you mentioned, you know, your your body needs to be in different shape for different things. Yeah. And with hockey, it's a lot more like stop and start, you know, quick acceleration, where skiing is more like consistent um, consistent movement. Yeah. So luckily it's all legs, but it's all, it's, uh, it's just very different. Well, that's like I'm, I'm, I'm out biking and I'm like, you know, I know what my heart rate usually is. It's like 20 beats per minute, like higher than it normally is because I'm just not in the cardio shape that I, you know, that I, I get into. And I'm like, well... I'm in more shape to do like sprinting on a, on you know up hills and stuff like that. Like yeah. I cruise up hills because I'm in like ski shape, you know. But now you're talking about okay, now I gotta do a consistent cruise like over miles and miles, and it's like I see that heart rate creeping up. And it, after like I gotta say, I've been biking now a little bit more for about three weeks. I've noticed that come back down. Which, oh, really? Which I'm like, it's good, but it's like scares the crap out of you because like I feel like I'm in good shape, but I'm like. I'm redlining my heart rate like I'm ready, ready to die. Like yeah. I got to I got to pull it back, you yeah. know. So it's interesting to see that happen. But yeah, definitely uh yeah, and it's just I embrace the season. See, this, this is the thing. This is why um I had a hard time when I for the brief stint that I lived in Florida, um I'd probably have a hard time if I was somewhere that was winter all year 
Mm-hmm. Um, while I'd enjoy it, I still kind of miss those seasons, you know? So you got to embrace those. Where would that even seasons. be? Antarctica? Alaska? Close to they it. Have, they have a summer in Alaska. Summer, yeah. yeah. It's a little milder, but yeah, I, I like the change. So it's kind of, it's you got to embrace the change, I think. That's the only way to get by is to maximize every season, you know, like make take the best of what it offers you and uh, enjoy it. I'd still like to do one year where I do like ski and then I go on a tropical vacation, middle of winter, mm-hmm. and then middle of summer, go to the beach and then go to ski like just somewhere in the summer. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. That has to happen. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. That would be really fun doing like a week. You know, we can like Jackson or Telluride and then go into... Right away. Like right, right to like the Bahamas. Yeah. Like right after. Just roast on a beach for like three days, four days, and then, and then come back. Yeah, because I feel like I would need to be like really beat up and exhausted to appreciate being yeah. on the beach. Because I get too antsy. I can't just like lay on the beach. Yeah. If you're pretty beat up after a ski week, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm telling you, I can sleep on a beach for like two days. Mm-hmm. Just crash, drink, crash, get massages, crash, sleep. That would be really cool. That'd be fun. See, that's what we should probably, ha- you know, set up like these highfalutin trips where you know it's a week of skiing and then it's like that's highfalutin. The add-on, yeah. The add-on is going to the beach for a couple of days. Does that one of the guys from the ski club? He went to uh, that guy John, the tall dude. Yeah, he went from where the hell was it? We were in. He went from Switzerland, and then he went uh, with his kids uh, a week in like somewhere tropical. And nice. I was like, that's baller as hell. He did he did the, the magical trip. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So he did the ski trip by himself with his friends, had a lot of fun. And then he went tropical. Was that ripping and tearing Bill? Ripping and tearing Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went with his kids his, his, and uh, did a little tropical experience, which was kind of oh, cool. That's so awesome, yeah. Like he had the best of both worlds there. Yeah, that's the way to do it. So, so yeah, so we're just, so really what we're saying is we're too cheap slash lazy to keep skiing. We also have a lot on our plate. Into May and June, yeah. There's a lot of other events that come up in the summer, too. Like, Yeah, I know. Once May hits, things get, you know, the, the old dance card gets filled up pretty quickly. Well, I'm already, mm-hmm. so June I'm doing the Century. Mm-hmm. I got uh, rides and big rides June. Like, almost every month there's, like, a, another big ride. Uh, then there's a beach weekend already planned. There's, like, a bunch of other stuff. I got to go to Florida still. So, a lot of things that are queuing up. Yeah. You're moving this this summer, right? I'm moving in a, like a month or so. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm leaving the city and I'm moving to the beach just yeah. because. Uh, you know, I've always dreamed of having a beach house and a ski house. So I'm like, well, now that I'm living by the beach, that only leaves one other part of that formula left, <clears throat> and that's that's going to be coming up hopefully in the near future. That's the ski house. That's the ski house. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, moving and uh, you know got a little addition on the way. So. Going to be very busy this summer. It's going to be kind of crazy, but it's yeah. all exciting, fun, cool stuff. So, and like we always talk about, now starts the planning. We start thinking about like, you know, what we're going to do for next year. Am I going to do the ski house? Am I going to do a different ski house? Like, like a lot that goes on. Yeah. So you know, it, it's also good too to to step away and to kind of you know, get into other things, clear your mind, uh, mess. You know, try different things too. You know, like I. Like I said, moving towards the, you know to the beach now, and I'm I want to start embracing you know like paddle boarding and maybe try surfing again, uh, running on the beach like just other things you know to kind of challenge myself, challenge my body, get myself ready, and you know push it to the next level. So sand skiing, sand skiing would be cool. <laughs> I 
I'd love to get like a Jeep Wrangler and just like cruise on the beach too, like to drive around. Call Perry. Off-roading. Call Perry. He's got his uh, Xterra now. Oh, does he? Yeah, he just bought an Xterra. Shout out to Harry. He's uh, he's taking pictures on the beach with all the time. Oh, you know, he just posted it on Instagram. I saw that in, in yeah. Uh, Brigantine, yeah. Yeah, he dri- He loves driving on the beach. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm like, that's pretty neat. Badass. Yeah. Badass mobile. Not bad at all. So, yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on this summer. Yeah, so what else you got going? Um, yeah, I got a trip to Florida I got to plan. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to already plan it. I'm really behind on it. And I don't know if I'm going to go sooner than later. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. One big thing for us and for the podcast, we're starting to to look at some some opportunities we have had presented to us, you know, regarding taking this thing to the next level. So this summer, there's going to, you know, probably going to be some some changes, some enhancements uh, to both the, the format and the website, because we uh, we want to take this to the next level, too. We want to make it as, as interesting and useful and fun for all you guys, the listeners. So we're looking for for ways to to do that, both monetarily and content wise. So yeah. we've got a lot of things in the hopper right now. We have to get to that we're uh, we're hoping to get to and, and to, again take take this to a better place to make it more fun, more exciting, more interactive. Um, and we like keeping it fresh. So for us, we need a little bit of a break because we're kind of running ourselves ragged throughout the winter between trips and work and everything that's going on and, mm-hmm. and the podcast and, and trying to make sure we bring you guys something good. Uh, and in the summer, we usually slack off a little. We do like every other week. Yeah, usually. You know, maybe not every week, maybe every week and a half we start doing podcasts. Um, and it's because we travel. We're trying to catch up like like we joked around, but it is true. Like everybody we haven't seen all, all winter, like <laughs> we got to catch up with like our family and friends, like close friends. So it's kind of that's what that starts happening, starts eating up time. Um, but it, it's good. It's healthy for everybody, you know? Yeah, definitely. We don't want to make it, we don't want to make it too bad, like too much stress for us. It's kind of get no, that man. relief. Not at all. Yeah. We're still in hearts. We're still bums, you know? So we want to keep it on the bum tip. Well, that's the bum we slack in the summer. So we yes. got to get a slackage going. I'm going to learn how to do crown molding this summer. Ooh. That's fun and exciting. A nice hit, life skill. Hit up Steve. I don't need Steve. Steve did crown molding all over his thing. He got a book. He's got like a guide. Like he'll tell you what to do. I've already got a crown molding guy. Oh, a yeah, guy. I've got a crown molding guy, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to do it yourself. I am, but he's going to show me how to do it. Look at that. He's going to teach me. Boom. Teach me the way. Wow. So, nice. Exciting stuff. Learning life skills. Life skills. That's what life's all about. His skills. Developing them. Do some crown molding. Them. Do some crown molding. You're going to learn how to change a diaper too. Oh, God, I know. You'll learn how to clean up duty. Swaddling, all that stuff. Swaddling, that's right. I don't know anything right now. Learn how to put the earplugs in where the baby's crying. It's funny, I was talking to somebody about this recently. They just had a kid, and uh, they were like, oh, like I'm sure you've seen, like on, you've registered for like this, like whatever, some sort of toy or apparatus or something that everybody gets now. And I'm like, I'm like actually, I don't know, like... Andrew's been taking care of all that. Like, uh. <laughs> I'm, and I was like, I'm kind of like the 1950s dad. I like just have like a bunch of like it's a boy cigars and I'm just going to sit in the waiting room, sit in the waiting room and smoke those. Like that's, yeah. What do you do when the baby's born? I get on the phone. I call everybody I know and tell them we had a baby. It's a boys. Yeah. And then you go home and you wait for, um, you know, Andrew to come home with the baby, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much. Yeah. But yeah, so I got to, I got to do a lot of preparing in that that tip too so is there an audio book you can hit up or something dude like i that? have a pile of books i gotta read <laughs> i got a pile of books i started reading one of them 
They're very it's very important like life skills, like things to expect and prepare for and things that you can't do. You can't leave the baby home alone. You can't leave it in the car, apparently. You can't leave it in the car. Like there's a lot of things, you know. They're common sense, you'll get by, but yeah. just, you know, you should kind of freshen up on I'm just saying I you know, I'm trying to figure out when I get him on the on skis. So probably about two is probably a good age. About two ish. If it's a summer kid, so so our buddy Jeff, after. his his son is like two and a half now. Mm-hmm. Two. I think he just turned two. Ready to go. Uh, he, they're actually going to try at like next ski season, maybe try to get him on. That's the way to do it. Be like two and a half, three, almost three. So Yeah. I guess that's a good good age. Some yeah. people say not before five, but it's uh, he's a big kid, whatever. You know who those, what those people are called? Plus, uh, that's <laughs> exactly what they're called. Right. You can't nerf the world. You can't nerf the world. Come on, kid. You're, they're still growing at that point, so if they get injured, they can keep growing. They're so low they, to the ground at that point that they can't really fall that far. That's right. You know? Rub some dirt in it, kid. Rub some dirt in it. Or snow right. on it, yeah. Rub some snow on it. So if you guys have any tips, thoughts about what what we should be doing this summer, any tips for the podcast, things you want to see on there? Because, again, we're going to, you know, some some fine-tuning will happen this summer. And then the sooner we can get it into our uh, our possibilities and our agenda, that would be great. So hit us up, podcast at gmail.com. We'll get ready to take us to the next level. It is time for Under the Ropes. So, Mario, why don't you start us out this week? All right, we're coming out strong. First off, uh, we have McDonald's has invented a fry fork called the Fork. So, Fork. Fork. So, if you haven't seen this video yet, uh, it's actually really cool. They have uh, a new promotion. So, they're actually promoting a new line of like craft recipes. Um, that are for burgers or chicken sandwiches. But one of the things they also throw in there is this fry fork. Um, and it's pretty cool because they have uh, that famous infomercial guy. Um, the guy who took over for Billy Zane when he died. Not yes. Billy Zane. What, Billy. Billy. Uh, not Billy Bush. Billy Zold. Billy Zool. Billy something. Billy Baru. <laughs> oh, Billy, 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 Billy. <laughs> Took over for Billy Baru. Uh, but what, what's the big commercial he does now? Um, OxyClean? Is it OxyClean? He took over for Oxy- Billy Mays. Billy Mays is the, that's the guy. guy that died. Yeah. yeah. Um, this guy does everything. He's like the new Anthony Sullivan. Is that it? Anthony Sullivan. Yeah, he's the guy. He's the new guy. Is he oh. British or... Australian or something, something like that. One of those. Uh, <laughs> but they have <laughs> him. They have him in the in the promo thing, and it's really cool. He's like, he does this whole the fork, and it'll you know, it, it's it's cool. Like you know, to pick up the guacamole that falls from your sandwich, and you know, so it's an actual product that they actually did create, and uh, they have. So I was watching the video before, and they have a number, just like it's a regular infomercial. So I was like, I called the number. And they actually have a whole promo <laughs> on the number, too. So it's pretty cool. It's kind of strange. Well, maybe not, that McDonald's is now having this signature crafted recipe thing. I think they're trying to move into, instead of just fast food, they're moving into a uh, a higher end. They're trying to get into the higher end market, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, but there's so many other places that already occupied by places that are not McDonald's for that. 
Yeah, but you look at something like uh, Chipotle or any of those, you know, Pop Belly or something like that. They're kind of they're fast food. They're just not marketed as a fast food. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's kind of in Panera's kind of it's fast food if you think about it. Like because now you order with the app and you run in and get it and you're out. Right. You know. I remember back when I was in high school, uh, there was a Burger King. That was right near where uh, where I played hockey, and we went there a couple times. And they were like a test bed, okay. Burger King, and they were doing like table service mm. at Burger King, and they were trying to step up their menu. So they had like like fried shrimp, yeah, and uh, I forget what other things they had. But that was like the one I remember getting and being like, "Hmm, this is good." Then again, that was also my high school palate, which was probably not as refined and yeah. sophisticated as now. Um, I, I don't think I would actually make a beeline for Burger King to get shrimp these days. Well, think about just all the burger, like fast food. Let's say Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, whatever. If they were to do like a high-end burger, mm-hmm. like what's the difference between them and like a smash burger? Well, don't they kind of, you know, Burger King kind of pose their like Angus burgers as being kind of a fancy burger? Yeah. I think McDonald's has one too. It's like yeah. an Angus or something. So they were trying to go into the, the fancier, but it's still not going to be as fancy as if you marketed it as a fancy to start. You yeah. know what I mean? They still have that, oh, it's McDonald's or it's Burger King. But. Well, I guess they're also getting pressure from other places. Yeah, like you mentioned, like Smash Burger, like a Five Guys, like a Shake Shack. Yeah. Those places are, you know, they, they have the higher end stuff or they at least, you know, say that they have the higher end stuff. So, you know, allow the consumer to decide. I would imagine somebody like McDonald's has so much pull with their suppliers that they could probably do a higher end burger for cheaper than everybody else does. Probably, yeah. You know, that same burger that you get at like a Smash Burger or a Zin Burger or something, they probably could do for cheaper. Smash Burger or um, Shake Shack, though, was really good. Yeah. Like their burgers are really good. I don't but know. Shake if- Shack is more of a. They don't build themselves as high end. They're, they're just like Shake Shack. It's just. It's like a different. It's fast food, but it's, it's cool. I mean, they got great shakes and, you know. Yeah, but I think by definition, they're, they're a higher end, you know, burger chain. Yeah. But they're still billing themselves as like a fast food. Fast well, look, food. Yeah. But the price really dictates if you're higher end or not. Well, and, you know, the burgers yeah. are not cheap by any stretch. So it is. So think of that. So you charge double the price for McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Does that put them in higher end? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of weird. But I think it's neat that they're doing that because the other thing, too, is like if you have kids, which you will have soon, <laughs> from everybody I've heard that has kids, they all fucking want McDonald's. They don't care. They They see the commercials. Everybody at school gets McDonald's. They want McDonald's. There's a word. It's called no. Yeah. I'm just and saying it'll be implemented. I had – so That's I was the, the same way as a kid. My parents like, were not fast food people. They still are not fast food people. They're in their 70s and they're very healthy. But as now, a treat once in a while, did you get fast food? You know what? We – as a treat, we got it. And I was like, you know, this actually sucks. Like I was I was raised on such good, high-quality meat. My dad was a butcher. Yeah. And – I uh, would go to Burger King or McDonald's, and I'm like, this sucks. Like, I don't want this. And that's the way I've always been. Yeah. I always found it to be rubbish. But that's when you get, like, shakes or fries or something like that, that you're like, oh, this is, they're good. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know. I never had uh, a lot of fast food growing up, but it was always like, oh, you'd see kids with, with McDonald's. They're like, oh, man, I want McDonald's, too. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's just just because they had it. Like, it's, it's like Starbucks now. Mm-hmm. Kids... Adults want Starbucks because of Starbucks. Is it better coffee than some of the other coffee? Not always. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes there's other good coffee places, but it's you want Starbucks. You yeah. know, it's that flavor. It's that special 
it's the stuff. it's the branding and it's the the perception of higher quality and you know, you're you know you almost want to show off that you have the the cup you know even if it's not higher there. quality it's the perception of taste you know mm-hmm. like oh i want that flavor like that like it's like having wendy's fries when you have mcdonald's fries on the mind totally different you're like no i want the mcdonald's fries i don't care if they taste crappy i'm gonna move for mcdonald's fries yeah <laughs> it's weird yeah so people are weird people are weird Speaking of weird people, actually, this guy's awesome. So right now, the Stanley Cup playoffs are going on. It's getting very exciting. There's only eight teams left. Um, and this is about this gentleman. He is a uh, the world's oldest hockey player. He lives in Minnesota has been playing hockey for 85 years. Damn. His name is Mark Sertich, and he is 95 years old has been playing since 1931. And this is awesome. According to him, he didn't really get serious about hockey until he was 80. Nice. And there's a little video of him and showing him, you know, playing with his buddies. He plays three times a week. Wow. Um, he gets out there. He looks awesome for his age. He's Obviously, still there's no checking in this league, right? Well, yeah. Well, most ad- <laughs> most adult leagues. Yeah. Like even if you're, well, no, even in like, you know, 20s and 30s, those leagues, they, there's no checking. Yeah. Because of the liability and stuff. So, yeah, this guy, he's still playing. Um and uh, he's saying like, yeah, three times a week he plays. They usually play in the morning, and then afterwards they go to his house and they like they actually watch like game footage, awesome. like videos, and they have cool. like coffee and they hang out together. And he's like, I've met the best friends in my life like playing this game. That's pretty neat. And uh, <clears throat> oh, it's so cool. It's so inspiring. You think he's dropping the gloves every once in a while, saying, "Let's go, let's go, pretty boy." Well, he's got a serious mustache game going on, so <laughs> I think he's got. Uh, he probably doesn't get that messed up too much. You think he's an intimidator? <clears throat> no, he's a sniper. Sniper? They were showing like, he's like, oh, yeah, my teammates, they're great. They set me up and I, uh, nice. I'm just blasting these goals home. So it's, uh, it's really inspiring to see. And, uh, I don't know if you know, there's Charles Schultz, the guy who created the Peanuts comic. Yeah. <clears throat> he was a big hockey fan. Was he? Did he yeah, play? Yeah, he, he played, yeah. And they have this tournament out in, California and Santa Rosa called Snoopy's Senior World Hockey. Nice. And they do like different age brackets. You know, they'll have like a 50-year-old's bracket, like a 60s, a 70s. I think there's like an up to 80s at wow. this point. Yeah, so they, they keep doing that, which is pretty pretty neat. How and many goals do you think Vladimir Putin would score on it? Oh, hundreds. <laughs> It'd be like every minute he'd score another goal. Oh, yeah. He's unbelievable. He's a sniper. <laughs> but yeah, he uh, he actually owns the Guinness book, Guinness World Record for oldest ice hockey player. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, he looks great for his age, for being ninety five. And one of the things this really shows, you know, he's like, oh, I get out there with some of the younger guys. Like he means like guys in his six, in their sixties. He's like, that's what keeps you alive and going is you know hanging out with younger people and staying active. You know, like we yeah. talk about all the things that we do to stay active. That's the only way you can age gracefully is if you just keep get at, getting out there, keep moving, keep doing activities. You know, that that's it. Otherwise, once you stop, that's when it all just falls apart. Everything atrophies and you just rot away. You don't feel that good. You slow down and, you know, you're going to slow down naturally, but... Yeah, but you got to keep fighting. It's nice to keep going. Mm-hmm. I wonder, too, this dude, if he really didn't take it seriously until he was 80, probably didn't have any knee problems, hip problems. Yeah. You know, when he was in his uh, 40s and 50s and then now he's... Uh, you think he's juicing? Still going. Probably. <laughs> TRT, man. Why not? That's right. They're not testing. That's right. This guy looks better than most guys in their 70s. Yeah. He's 95. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. Very cool. So, inspiring. 
Maybe we'll still be skiing at 95. I think so. That'd be kind of sweet, right? I think so. No. I think it's going to happen. All right. Uh, we're going to Silicon Valley for this next one. Uh-huh. Um, drunk man was arrested for knocking over a Silicon Valley crime-fighting robot. So This concerns me. They have this robot, and it kind of looks like a tackling dummy, honestly, when I looked <laughs> at it. And it's definitely no hitchbot. It's called the Nightscope K5. Oh, the hitchbot. Don't get me started on Philly. Go to hell, Philly. Goddamn Philly. <laughs> Philly. Animals. So um, they're actually, this guy was drunk, and he tackled this <laughs> Nightscope K5, which I guess is a robot that does a patrol. So he was drunk. He was like, are you looking at my girl? <laughs> you looking at my girl? Um, so I'll fuck I, you up. I guess it patrols out. Um, I'm trying to figure out. It's not. Cruises the parking lots. Yeah, just cruise the parking lot, but they have it sitting at like a security desk, the photo, and it's pretty funny. I'm like, so does it man the security desk and then walk outside and, and patrol? So it's a five foot, 300 pound robot. Uh, it's very egg shaped looking. So maybe he thought it was it like a, a bit weeble. like a butt plug. <laughs> looks like a Le- weeble, weeble wobble. Yeah. Like a weeble wobble. Maybe yeah. he thought he's going to hit it and it's going to come right back up. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So. Um, but you know, the article is funny. They're like, you know, is this starting the robot human wars? You know what I mean? This is the first punch thrown. It's quite possible. This is how RoboCop started, isn't it? Pretty much. Right. Yeah. You know, he probably told all of his robot buddies, okay, remember this day. This is when it all started. Tonight is our independence night. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. So they charged a guy with just being drunk. Prowling and public intoxication. (laughs) I don't know what prowling is. is. Prowling. (laughs) I don't know what's a prowling charge. So, like, you're going out to your car, that can be prowling. Now, this this uh, Nightscope K5 has also previously been in the news for running over a toddler's foot. So, yes, this, this could same. be the retaliation for that. That's what they're saying. I don't know. Okay, so loitering or prowling <laughs> is when a person commits a violation if he loiters or quote unquote prowls, but they still haven't given an addition of what's the difference between loitering and prowling. Yeah. Um, in a manner not used like, for law-abiding individuals. It seems like prowling is like, it's almost like a sexier version of loitering. It sounds like, like sexy loitering. I think a girl could do prowling. A guy can't. No, I think dudes prowl. Oh. Mm, it's kind of like, what was that night, night prowler? Was that the uh, ACDC song? I was thinking cat burglar. Cat burglars prowl. Yeah. Because they're a cat. They're like right. prowling like a cat. Yeah, it's like a sexy loiter. <laughs> sexy loiter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this following is an example of state law dealing with prowling. Uh, it's the same same thing. Lawyers are prowls in a place, at a time, or in a man- manner not usual for law-abiding individuals. Yeah. But how, what is a prowl? How do I know if I'm prowling or not? How do I know if I'm breaking the law? So I'm not loitering, but how do I know I'm not prowling? It's Lo- true. Loitering, you're just kind of standing still, hanging, right? Yeah. Just chilling, hanging out. Put out the vibe. Put out the vibe. <laughs> But if you're putting out the vibe, is that prowling? Because that's Ooh, sexy loitering. that's true. <laughs> I think once the vibe goes out, you're prowling. Oh, maybe that's it. So yeah. it's, it's loitering with the vibe. <laughs> loitering plus vibe equals prowling. This really doesn't define it, though. It's funny because it's a legal definition, and it doesn't tell you what... It uses the term to define itself. Okay. Prowling generally refers to the crime of lurking in an area with intent to commit a crime. Uh. But so loitering, you're not you're not actively looking to commit a crime while prowling. What's lurking? 
Mm-hmm. So, okay, prowling refers to a crime of lurking. Now, you went from loitering to lurking that. What's, what's I thought lurk? lurking and prowling were the same thing. What is, is? <laughs> there is no spoon. There is no prowler. If it doesn't fit, you must have quit. How saying. can you prove a lurk versus a loiter? That's right. How do you know? Well, Your Honor, I don't know. Am I getting charged with lurking, loitering, or prowling? I wasn't lurking. I was loitering. It's a, it's I wasn't lurking. I think I was mischarged. I'm not lurking. There's no lurk. Your Honor, I was clearly loitering in this case, I'm and I did free. not get charged with the lurk free. Totally lurk free. Yeah. Are you a chronic lurker? Chronic loiterer? I don't even know how to lurk. Yeah, what's a lurk? So you use a definition of something else that a common person doesn't know. I mean, I kind of know what a lurk is. Yeah. I don't even know what a lurk is. What's what's a lurking definition? It's funny. Like, how do you define it, though? There's how meaning you, for it. How can you prove lurking? Exactly. Versus loitering. Exactly. That seems almost impossible to prove. And if you're getting charged, how do you know the person charging you knows the difference? They would have to pr- prove a sufficient ability to know what a lurk versus a loiter versus a prowl is. And do they know what a lurk is because they are lurkers themselves? And then why aren't they bring up, brought up on charges? Do you know what a plethora is? <laughs> no. Yes, Don Guapo. <laughs> <laughs> His, he identified the lurk because he was lurking at the same time. That's right. Okay, so I look up lurking, mm-hmm. and the first thing that comes up to prowl. on Pinterest, lurking ass bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't really know if that's going to tell that's me what lurking. That's my new favorite band. <laughs> Whoa! I don't know what was what was tagged in that pin, but I haven't gone there. Yet. Is their first album going to be called Roast Beefish? <laughs> Roast Beefish. That's the Arby's thing, right? <laughs> Roast Beefish. Oh man, what is a lurk? If anybody can clearly define a lurk between a loiter between a prowl. Skibumpodcast at gmail.com. We, I definitely need to know We need this. help. I'm going to be looking at this for like an hour tonight. If you can have a video of showing us the differences, that would be fantastic. I, the video would help, but I still want a, like an actual written definition that somebody could say in a court of law, this mm-hmm. is the difference. Yeah. How do you know I got... That could be like I could be an attorney. Like I'll go to law <laughs> school just to defend people on lurking charges to get them off proven that they can't tell the difference between a lurker pal or a loiter. You would definitely be like one of those like one in the morning commercials then, right? Brett, call Have you been charged of lurking, prowling, <laughs> or loitering? How do you know the difference? I can I, help. I can get you off of lurking. <laughs> I've gotten people off of lurking, loitering, and prowling for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I think that could have, that could be my niche, my wheelhouse. I think so. If you got like a major, like maybe OJ got charged with lurking. I could defend him for that lurking charge. That's true. <laughs> All the other stuff, the, the killing somebody, I can't do that one. But yeah. the lurking, loitering, prowling, I got you on that. If the lurk does not fit, you must acquit. Okay, if you have a hat, is that prowling? Like cat burglar prowling, right? I think you need a hoodie. I think hoodies are more likely to get you A hoodie sounds prowling. like you're, lur- uh, you're lurking or loitering. You're just yeah. hanging out, chilling. I got my hoodie on. I'm just, I'm just chilling out. You're yeah. loitering. But, I don't know. But it can definitely lead to prowling. So is it defined by what you're wearing? I don't know. Mm. This is a question I yeah. asked. I asked the good court, <laughs> what is lurking about? Prowl tire. Prowl tire. Oof. Oof. That went on a crazy ass direction. All right. You can't handle the prowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so clear, colorless coffee that looks like water now exists. I thought they had this before. 
Eh, maybe. They had the, the clear Pepsi back in the day. Or was it just hot water that people were giving me saying, no, no, it's coffee, don't worry about it. Perhaps. It's like a decaf coffee. It's really just water. Damn. So the good folks of CLRCFF, that's the name of the product, is a caffeinated, comes in a bottle and ready for cold consumption. Made from high-quality Arabica beans and pure water. Produced by methods which have never been used before. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds taboo. The brothers behind it, David and Adam Nagy, originally from Slovakia, told the Evening Standard that the process contains no chemicals. Uh, The product itself contains neither preservatives nor artificial flavors, stabilizers, sugar, or other sorts of sweeteners, according to the CLR-CFF website. It does contain high-quality natural caffeine, uh, though in order to compensate for the caffeine that is lost in the processing of the coffee beans. Um, (laughs) They're saying if you're looking for a refreshing coffee but want to keep your smile white, then clear coffee is perfect for you. That's what I'm thinking. This is perfect. Yeah. But according to a review, they, uh, they said the flavor equates to water, with an aftertaste of coffee. Sort of like hmm. what you'd get if you poured cold water through used day-old damp coffee beans left at the bottom of the filter. Wow, that's nasty. Yes. But uh, this is available in England and online, and I'm not sure if they're going to have it in the U.S., but if it is successful, I'm sure they will get it over here. So well. they actually have these beans that are the coffee that is... They take out that coffee staining stuff, huh? They take out all the uh, the darkness of the of the coffee beans. Darkness, yeah. So they take it all out. I'm wondering if you could do a cold brew with this. Just let it sit there for like a week. Well, a cold brew gets dark. Yeah, um, I'm saying though, like if it if it tastes like a like water with they use bleach. Yeah, it's true. Cold too. brew plus bleach. That's how they get their. That's their recipe, I believe. It says it contains no chemicals, though. So. I think they put it in with water, and they let it sit there for a long time, and they let it loiter with the water. <laughs> I think that might work. I think it's prowling in there. I don't know if it's loitering. <laughs> Is it definitely brewing? some prowling. prowling. <laughs> a little prowling around. <laughs> uh, wow, that doesn't give a good... Uh, me- Metro News really slammed that thing. But crushed it, yeah. Crushed it. <laughs> We're going to have to... I don't even know if I want to taste test it. We'll yeah. let somebody else taste test it and say it's decent. Well, it is possible that the folks at Metro News or sh- are uh, shorting the uh, the <laughs> sure. IPO of CLRCFF. I'm going to short these clear coffee beans. They're putting some uh, some medicine there, making people throw up from drinking it. Axe Capital. Like billions. Yep. Axe Capital. They're shorting. Yes. <laughs> shorting it. It's like the uh, it's the ice ice water. Ice juice. Ice juice. <laughs> awesome. That's a Billions reference for you folks. If you haven't watched that show. If you haven't watched Billions, you should. It's awesome. Uh-huh. Paul Giamatti is like one of the best actors of our, of our generation. So I was, I was um, telling somebody, like, they didn't know who Paul Giamatti was. I'm like, you didn't see Sideways? Did you see? Sideways is so goddamn funny. And there's so many other movies he's been in. I'm John like, Adams, the HBO miniseries. Yeah. He's awesome in that. But he's been in a bunch of different movies, like more as a, like a supporting role. But he's I, getting bigger roles now the last like yeah. 10 years or so. He's a great actor. He was he had a very small role in uh, Donnie Brasco. Yeah, <laughs> when he was uh, one of the guys like t- uh, when he had the the wire on. Yeah, he was kind of like the FBI guy listening, 
And they're like, hey, what is a, he's like, what does a forget about it mean? He's like, you know, uh, forget about it. And he's like, <laughs> and like, he's like, forget about it. It was great. <laughs> That's when you knew he was going to be a star. That's right. At the forget about it. We watched Sideways last weekend. That movie is so, that movie is so good. It actually, it's really funny. It's also a really good story. It's like sad. It's happy. It's, it's like, it's almost every human emotion you can experience. Yeah. It's really good. I was going to say it's, it's. It's kind of dark at times, too. It's kind of strange, like American Beauty, Mm -hmm. but not as strange. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it has, like, a nice kind of story to it as well. But some parts are really, really funny. Yeah. Like, all, like, the wine tasting parts, where he's, like, holding his, like, ear, and, like, he's, like, (laughs) he's, he's, like, some some nutty, a fluttering of nutty cheese. (laughs) Asparagus? Strawberries? (laughs) Oh, man. And then there's the one part where they go to the, the really crappy vineyard. It's called yeah. Frass Canyon. <laughs> and Frass, I looked up, is fly shit, mm. which I had no idea. So, fly shit canyon. So, me and Andrea always joke when we find like some really crappy like product or, or, you know, whatever. We call it the Frass Canyon version of things. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Right. I like that. You like ghetto hot dogs? Like, oh, the Frass Canyon hot dogs. Frass Canyon hot dogs. <laughs> Actually, uh, on Netflix, have you ever watched that uh, movie, Psalm? So, no, but the sommeliers? Yeah. No. It is just like that when they're describing stuff. So they have this scene <laughs> where – and it's a documentary. So they actually um, – they have these parties – not parties, but they have get-togethers. And there are a lot of these guys that are actually going for like the grand sommelier like test. And they sit there and they test each other. And it's kind of what they do. They, they get together. They bring over some crazy-ass great bottles of wine. And they do blind taste tests. And they, they start describing them. And they actually have to describe like within a few minutes, like that's part of the thing. And they use their their own vocabulary for what they're tasting. Like smells like you know cut grass and cheese, and, <laughs> and they actually use like all these weird terms. It's pretty cool. Oh my God. It's very interesting. A fluttering of barbecue potato chips. <laughs> a fluttering. <laughs> a fluttering. There was um oh, who's the guy? He's he's actually announcing some of the hockey games now, but they interviewed him. I forgot his name, and he's one of the. Uh, been doing it for so many years and they were going through like uh the the adjectives he uses when he describes like something that's happening he's like oh they just knifed the puck up and he's like well a knife like he uses knife the puck up and then moved it along like there's all these terms he has and it's pretty amazing like he has this whole different vocabulary and really? he describes things like the descriptive things that he says actually you can actually tell like if you were listening to it on radio you're like oh wow it wasn't like a super fast pass it was like a shoveled along like, mm-hmm. like you're shoveling something you know what i mean and he just comes up with it like that it's pretty really? crazy i forgot oh. the dude's name i gotta i'm trying to think of, um i don't know if i saw him on 60 minutes or it was like real sports i think it was 60 minutes or something oh nice but i gotta find out he's he was announcing one of the games that i was watching the other night um i forgot which one it was though not mike emmerich is it don't know i'm no. gonna see his face I don't uh, follow hockey announcers that closely. Sorry. Sorry. And it wasn't my home team, so uh. I wouldn't know. But All right, next up uh, we got, there is a product that I just came across, looked pretty cool, called the Smooth. Not the J- it's almost like the Smooth as in JB Smooth. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a stabilizer for your iPhone. So, or any phone that you have, 
Uh, basically, it looks pretty cool. So you move the phone around, and it just it keeps everything still. So it's nice if you're trying to film something, you don't want you know anything shaking. Um, it's like a gyroscope for your phone. Uh, it's pretty cool. It stabilizes. It grips your phone. Uh, this thing's only like 149 bucks. It looks pretty cool. But I like the video. They show like the dude moving it around. It's just staying. and it stays smooth. Yeah, like even. It's like an owl's head. You ever see the owl's head and they they move the body? <laughs> yeah, the body's moving and it, and the head just stays in the same spot. It's pretty cool. What does it use? Is it some sort of is it like magnetized or is it used like an accelerometer or like what is it? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, they hold gyroscopes. That's why they're expensive. I guess oh, the gyroscopes. Of, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of high tech crap that goes in there. Mm-hmm. So 149 is not bad. It's really not that bad. No. I was telling you before, like I looked up one for the GoPro and it was like four hundred bucks. I was like, Yeah, I'm never getting that. Oof. But hundred forty nine, now you're coming into a decent range. It's cool that it comes with a ch- uh like a charger too. It's yeah, like it's a power a, bank as well, right? It's a power bank in the handle, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, the video is really interesting. It's cool to see the way it works. So this would this would be great if you're like skiing or boarding. Oh yeah, hold it straight, man. It's like because yeah, when you you know if you've ever tried holding a a phone or a GoPro while you're you know skiing or riding, you can you watch the footage and you have like a seizure because it's so bouncy. Yeah, I mean this you, if you can mount this mm-hmm. or this could be like mounted on your helmet, then it would actually make a smooth helmet camera. Yeah, because that's a problem with putting the camera on the helmet. It, it jumps you move around. too much. Yeah, yeah, it's jittery. I wonder how long it's going to take for them to build this into the phone itself. You know, when the whole, when the frame of the phone is going to be the stabilizer. Well, that's what they have the um, the image stabilizing in the cameras. The higher the end ones, though, right? The higher end ones. Yeah. And that's what it is. They're doing it with the the chip, so it is accounting for it. But this is like doing it physically, mm-hmm. like on the outside, which is really neat. Yeah. But yeah, image stabilization is one of the things that they always try to upgrade in cameras. Yeah. Cool. And last up, this is a story uh, that I found pretty exciting. And this is from Wake Forest University. They have done some research there, and they have discovered that drinking beetroot juice supplements uh, or regular beetroot juice before working out makes the brain of older adults perform more efficiently, mirroring the operations of a younger brain. Wow. Yeah. Um, have a younger brain, older body. How's that hap- How's that work? <laughs> Once they say a lot of, well, the the rumors are that a lot of you know celebrities, older celebrities, fill themselves up with the blood of younger people. What? And it's supposed to affect your, it's supposed to like make you act younger. So Get that could out be like weird, like crazy voodoo stuff. Should they get like infusions of like younger blood? Yeah, almost like vampire life. That's pretty or- fucked up. I gotta look into that. That's creepy. <laughs> look into that. That's creepy as fuck. Young blood. That's where the term comes from. Wow. Way to go, young blood. See, you're <laughs> excited because you got the young blood inside you. Young blood. Yeah. But way to go, young blood. So um, the <laughs> studies, <laughs> you know, obviously there's been studies out there saying that you know, exercise has positive effects on the brain. But what they, you know, discovered in this training process is that uh, hypertensive older adults. Um, was that compared to exercise alone, adding the beetroot juice supplement to exercise resulted in brain connectivity that closely resembled what you see in younger adults. They, you know, they still have to continue doing research on this and you know, to replicate these findings, but they, you know, it, it kind of sets the table for 
you know, what we eat as we age could be critical in determining, you know, brain health function. Hmm. So this is a great step uh, because, you know, as we all are getting older, um, anything that you can do to keep your, your brain functioning and, you know, keeping your – I mean, look at the story of the guy, um, the 95-year-old hockey player. Yeah. You know that – I wonder if he drinks beet juice. He probably does. Boom. You know, he farms beet, beetroot juice in the summertime and plays hockey all winter. Insane. Mm-hmm. And he's ripping a tearing in the afternoon. That's right. I like it. Yeah. So the study included 26 men and women age 55 and older who did not exercise, had high blood pressure, and took no more than two medications for high blood pressure. Hmm. Three times a week for six weeks, they drank a beetroot juice supplement called Beat It Sports Shot one hour before a moderately intense 50-minute walk on a treadmill. Half the participants received Beat It containing 560 milligrams of nitrate the others received a placebo beet it with very little nitrate. Hmm. Beets contain a high level of dietary nitrate, which is converted to nitrite and then nitric acid when consumed. No increases, but um, <laughs> no, <laughs> nitric acid increases blood flow in the body, and multiple studies have shown it can improve exercise performance in people of various ages. Hmm. Um. That. So would drinking beer on nitro help? I think so. So you have more more nitric acid, right? We haven't completed our research yet, but I believe that it would help. I would like to extend that study to go to beer. Combining the beetroot juice with exercise delivers more oxygen to the brain and creates an excellent environment for strengthening the somatomotor cortex. Somatomotors? Somatomotor. (laughs) Car company, Samata Motors. Post-exercise analysis showed that although the study groups had similar levels of nitrate and nitrate in the blood before drinking the juice, the beetroot juice group had much higher levels of nitrate and nitrate than the placebo group after exercise. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So this is a this is great information, and you know, again, it proves that what you put in your body is very important and. This could help older folks try to remain and perform like the younger folks do. Yeah, I believe that. It'll help uh, boost brain power and stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it makes sense. So if you can get some of that, beat it. I wonder if you can just go and beat buy that it. stuff. Beat it, beetroot juice supplements. All right, so getting to the uh, transfusions, I just looked it up. Mm-hmm. There is, um, so Monterey, California... Um, there is a private clinic where people can pay $8,000 to have their veins pumped with blood plasma from teenagers and young adults. Say? And this is MIT Technology Review, and they're saying it really doesn't, it really didn't show that one infusion is going to have a, an effect. They're saying the other stuff may have an effect over time, but I don't know, it's weird. So is it $8,000 a pop? Yeah. Oof. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, if you got eight grand every couple of weeks to get some nice young teen blood in you. This is a vampirism. So, if you had the teen blood inside you and you and had a sexual encounter with someone above 18, would they be raping you? 
Like with the blood, well, what determines yeah. your age? Is it they're having sex with the younger blood? Yes. So what determines the age? Is it the blood inside you, or is it? I don't know. I like you, that. You? I like that. So, so in addition to do you being, feel like you're like under eighteen. Is that so? In addition to being the official lurker, um, but if you're prowler prowling. attorney, you will also be able to defend those who had blood transfusions to make them younger. Um. Statutory blood rape. Statutory blood rape. <laughs> I'm sorry. This that's going to be our the second album after roast beefish. <laughs> after roast beefish, um, and before the robot war starts. Yes. <laughs> so if you have, <laughs> so what happens if somebody rapes the robot? So if he why tackles, why would you do that? I'm just saying. Maybe he thinks there's weed in it because mm. people are stuffing weed inside of inanimate objects. Maybe that's what they can use as their uh, their mule. Uh, they can shove uh, inside the robot. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no shoving. There's You're placing. shoving. There's <laughs> placing. You're going to cut the robot in half, like my suggestion? Zip lock them closed? And again, statutory robot rape. <laughs> that's a third album. That's the third album. <laughs> that's the... So my card will have specializes in statutory robot rape, statutory blood rape, and... Prowling. Um, prowling. And lurking. Prowling slash lurking slash... Loitering. Uh, loitering. I think you're going to have a very successful career. I got to figure out the whole loitering because I don't know if I'm loitering, pr- prowling, or lurking now. Yeah, me neither. The only thing I do know is that this podcast has to end now. <laughs> yeah, we've been lurking around and prowling we've been, around. We've been audio lurking. We've been audio. orally lurking. Or- A-U-R-L-A-L. Oh, oral. Aura? In your ears. Ooh, well, aura. in your ear. like Isn't that the proper term for like sound? Maybe. Oral, A-U-R-A-L. We've yeah, been orally right. lurking. So thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Got a kind of goodness there. Lots of goodness. Subscribe to our potential newsletter, which may come out. Uh, check us out on the socials, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast. We are on Pinterest as highfalutins. And hey, go to SoundCloud. We're also skibumpodcast there. And if you guys have anything cool, like we mentioned for summer, hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com, and we will see you guys next week. Stay high, stay flutin'. See you.